Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's it's so weird because my audio just keeps on going as though I'm talking to you. Um, so I, I just cut it off right at like my my last sentence, like where you would have like laughed or something. And then I threw in the stab and I'm like, OK, I guess that's the end of part one. Uh, OK, so so we should probably not BS too much and just get right back into it. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. Are you ready to get going? Yeah, let, let's get started. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. Oh, my gosh. The lag is like six seconds today. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, all right. We might as well just keep going. Uh, and today we will be talking about the rest of Season 7, Episode 22, the season finale, The Invitations, because we had a software, some sort of issue with Zencaster last week. I will just completely throw them under the bus, even though we're still using them today. Uh, if you heard Ted's little outro explanation, I'm, I'm guessing he explained that. So um, it, it actually, to the credit uh, of the screw up, of the universe's screw up, whatever it was, it cut us off, like, I think right in the middle of the episode, like right at the Hulu commercial break. Am I wrong about that? Um, right after the Hulu commercial break. Yeah, because we were talking about right, like, right, uh, yeah. Jerry, Jerry and Janine, like walking through Central Park and, and looking at comics at the newsstand. That's the first thing that happens after you come back from the break. Yeah, so we pretty much split right where the episode splits, if you're watching, depending on where you're watching it. So it was uh, kind of uh, good there, but because the, the episode split right where George asked Susan for a prenup, which, by the way, so I went back and watched the episode. I just watched it straight through. I never get a chance to do this. And I'm like, well, I, I kind of want to refresh her because now it's been like two weeks since I've seen it. And so I watched the whole thing over again and just straight straight through, like not taking notes, not looking away. I mean, just like and, and it was really useful because I was like, George didn't really press that prenup. I think it could have worked. A, he might have been able to postpone the wedding until it was done or something like that. Like, oh, well, I'm still talking to a lawyer. But B, she says, give me the papers. I'll sign them. And George could have just made the terms so unattractive. Like he gets oh, more yeah. of her money if they split or or he can like take her parents money or something like that. Like her parents were loaded. Do you think they would have been like, no, you're not signing this prenup where he gets X amount of dollars from you. If you like, he could have made the term so unattractive that either he makes bank when they divorce, that's a win, or B, she says, No, I'm not signing this, and there's no wedding. I really think that could have worked. Yeah, but I mean, he just George isn't known for being smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just kind of let it go once he was completely emasculated by her. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we picked up with the uh, Jerry and Jeannie montage, and right when I cut out that uh, we were talking about the comic books that they're reading. Jerry has Superman Man of Steel number 53, which I think I mentioned, I think I got to mention is from February 96. And it's also the issue that he's reading during the Cadillac much earlier in this season. And Jeannie is reading Supergirl in Action Comics number 686. The, that one is from the Funeral for a Friend series after Doomsday Kills Superman. Uh, and it was Funeral for a Friend number six. And it's from February of 1993. So she's reading a comic at a newsstand from three years earlier than Jerry's 
not new issue, but at least it was from this year, uh, oddly enough. Yeah, it, at least, um, uh, and, at least yeah. you could realistically find that at a newsstand at the time. Be- because yeah. like, it would yeah. probably just be like towards the back of the stack, but you, you could still find it. You're not finding a comic that's <laughs> yeah. three years old. No, I wouldn't think so. And the one genie is reading says, who's buried in Superman's tomb and why is Lex Luthor so paranoid? And I actually looked it up and I have the answer to both of those things. Who's buried in Superman's tomb is no one at this point because he's been stolen to be cloned. And Lex Luthor is so paranoid because he thinks Superman might have faked his death as I guess Lex Luthor had in this exact same storyline. So um, there you go. And okay. I think this is also where, is this where we talked about the Snyder Cut trailer? We we did, that that discussion did make it into part one. Oh, thank goodness. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because yes. I was like, we're never going to be able to recreate that. <laughs> no, we, we, that, that did make it in before, before our audio cut out. Uh, I had just finished saying that I do have the digital version of, of the original Justice League, and I do want to watch it because I've never oh, seen yeah. it. And I was saying that I have high doubts that the Snyder Cut is actually going to be better. It's just, <laughs> it's going to be the movie that is one hundred percent pandered to Edge Lords. <laughs> yeah, and and I can tell just from the trailer, I'm like, even this trailer is all over the place. Like I'm, I just like all their movies are. They have like no focus and no, mm-hmm. they're, they're just like so poorly put together. I was like, when the trailer is this poorly put together, I don't have any hope for the movie. So yeah, uh, it, it looks pretty bad. And then Jeannie and Jerry are making out in his apartment when Kramer runs into a locked door, obviously because Jerry doesn't want any interruptions, even though this is now one. And when Jerry opens the door, Kramer is like on the ground. <laughs> he like really, really nailed uh, the door, really expected it to be open. <laughs> and he comes in to tell Jerry what happened at the bank about how the guy said, hey, and not hello. And Jerry and Jeannie both agree that hey is hello. And when Jerry kind of motions to Jeannie like, ah, see, you know, she agrees with me. Kramer goes, big surprise. And that actually gets a really big <laughs> applause too. The the audience loved that as he walked out the door. I don't know why. It got like a, a much bigger reaction than I think it should have. Uh, we cut to George's apartment where the invitations get delivered. And he heads out the door as Susan yells something to him about what they're picking out tomorrow. Don't make any plans. You know, I mean, just like just really making her just really uh, like nailing home the harpy sort of oh, uh, yeah. character that they're writing for Susan. <laughs> well, they as soon as the as soon as the invitations get there too, the first thing she says, she's like, oh, these are so cheap. <laughs> and over in Jerry's apartment, Kramer tells Jerry, he finally, you know, Jerry can tell something is wrong with Kramer. And he finally tells Jerry that he doesn't like Jeannie because everything he thinks, she thinks. And everything she thinks, he thinks. And it's too much. And Jerry says, well, you know what? He can't, if you can't take her, you, maybe you can't take me. And Kramer goes, so that's how it's going to be, huh? And he storms off in a huff. And, uh, you know, Kramer and Jerry are, are kind of fighting now over Jerry's new woman. Back up in George's, Susan licks presumably the first envelope of the batch. And she remarks yeah. that it just, I mean, you can see it in her face, but she says it tastes awful. It, she's like, awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we cut to Jerry, who is on a pier contemplating at the seashore. And he's looking at couples and a family. And what I noticed about this was it is the exact same couples, not only the same like the exact same actors. It's the same footage as George's scene in season seven, episode one, the engagement was he, when he's contemplating getting engaged. So like, there's like an older couple, like a, like a boomer aged couple 
um, or what would be a boomer age couple now, I guess. And like the guy's got to yank it and he like they're walking and he puts his arm around his wife like that is they use the exact same three seconds of footage of oh, them. There's a young God. couple. They used a little bit. It's pretty. I love the parallel. I love how the exact same couples are there when Jerry's thinking. I just I think it's so absurd, but like it, it totally works. It's like it's just another layer of hilarity to this scene. Is it like <laughs> in the same order uh, from like when George was on the pier? Like, is it, is it like older say... couple, like 30 something couple or, or is it, is it like mixed up and just the same shots? I want to say it was a little mixed up. Like maybe the family was last and I think in George's, it may go like, like young couple, older couple family and Jerry's is like older couple, young couple family or something like that. There's, there's like one or like one couple that are flip flopped, but it's, and, and the young people footage. So there's like the 38, you know, the 30 year old couple or whatever that is like leaning up against the pier. And in Jerry's sequence, they're making out in George's. They are not. And the, but the family is, and the family gets like one little extra shot where the guy's like on his knee looking at the baby. And then it kind of cuts back to him and he's got his arm around the, his wife and they're looking like down. They're both standing up looking at the baby. So um, the footage is a little bit different. And, but the, the older couple is the exact same, which I think is hilarious, but everybody else is is a little shifted. But the fact that it's the exact same couples is just so, so funny. And just like George's scene, Jerry gets up and he runs through some seagulls. Now, I seem to remember in George's sequence, those were pigeons, but still, still funny, still work. Hmm. <laughs> and in George's apartment, a visibly sweaty and a little bit paler Susan struggles to lick yet another envelope. And then we cut to the bank and we get a little different establishing shot than we got the first time we saw whatever this was called, something, a home federal savings bank. Um, because now you can see right next door is Court Street Coffee and Teas, which is now called First Place Provisions Coffee Beer and Cheese with eight <laughs> E's in the middle of the beer for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's what comes up like on their Google result page. Coffee, beer, <laughs> yeah. and cheese. Yeah. They're like, when people search for beer with eight E's, we want to be the first result. So <laughs> that might happen, you know, if you accidentally held it down or, or passed out on your keyboard or something. Searching, Googling for beer. Sounds like the perfect uh, store Kramer, for you. If you pass out on your keyboard while you're typing, just searching <laughs> beer. Beer. Um Kramer sits down with the manager who is aforementioned guest star, Stephen Root. Yeah, I was surprised by who this is, Milton yeah. from Office Space. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, he's absolutely hilarious in this very small little, I mean, I don't even know if I'd call him a guest, if, if it'd be a guest spot, you know, because Stephen Root, I would still say is not a household name. He's just like, oh, there's that guy, you know, there's Milton from Office Space or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So it is cool that he got a mention, you know, in the in the description, but he also is great at playing these, you know, he was the um the the owner of the radio station in News Radio. He plays another great corporate guy in No Country for Old Men. He just has a look of a guy who should be sitting behind a pine desk like this, you know. <laughs> See, the the <laughs> only thing he, I've seen yeah. him in was was office space. So this was kind of a, a total departure from what ah. uh, other roles I've seen him in. So this was kind of cool. Yeah, he's the um, he's the voice of the I forget his name because I, I know I mentioned last time the bald one on King of the Hill, but now I don't even remember his name again. Oh, oh yeah, Bill Dotrieve. Yeah, totally he's Dotrieve. I think. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's definitely a, a break from the corporate dude that he plays sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's still cool. The, Kramer explains the situation to the manager. And the manager calls Jim over. And for some reason, Jim, like, is able to talk back to his manager. Like, I'll be right there in a second. Like, it wasn't like a, yeah. oh, sure, sir, hang on. <laughs> it was, like, very snippy and snarky. <laughs> And Kramer and the manager just wait there awkwardly and make small talk about the desk wood. Uh, you know, Kramer asks if it's oak and and Stephen Root says it's pine. Um, and the teller finally makes his way over when he feels like it and explains that he said he didn't say hello. He said, hey. And Stephen Root is like, huh, this is a tough one. So he brings over three other tellers and they all greet Kramer with different iterations of what well, the first one says, how you doing? The second one says, what's happening? And the third one says, what's up? And each time Kramer's like, just, <laughs> just three different variations of hello without actually saying hello. Yeah, yeah. Kramer thinks he deserves like $400 now, including the first hey. He's like, oh, what? what is going on? And so Stephen Root, uh, you know, tells Kramer, can you give us some privacy so we can talk? Kramer gets up. When he does, he gets a, how's it going from another employee? <laughs> <laughs> then finally, Stephen, you know, so they all put their heads together, all the tellers and the manager, and uh, the manager calls Kramer back over and he goes, here's what we uh, here's what we decided. You got a greeting. It starts with an H. How's 20 bucks sound? And Kramer says, deal or whatever he says there. He says, <laughs> I think he's like, it. you got yourself a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked the uh, uh, resolution of this whole thing. I thought it was funny. Yeah, this uh, this was just a very good, like, isolated scene. I thought I, I was I was dying at this. Yeah, yeah. It's a great little Kramer storyline where, you know, because everyone else is kind of mixed up. You know, we don't even get too much of Elaine in this episode. Her only storyline is like wanting to be in the wedding, but at least Kramer gets this fun little, you know, little. Yeah, uh, aside from wanting to be in the wedding, the only Elaine thing we get is her not wanting to be single anymore and saying, you guys are on your own. I'm getting out. And then no follow up on that whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of fun that Kramer had this little uh, side adventure um, that they kind of padded the episode with over at the improv. Jeannie is in the bar as Jerry comes around the corner and just proposes. Will you marry me? And we cut to George's, where Susan is even more pale, even more sweaty. Her lips are chapped, and she (laughs) brings one final envelope up to her lips and licks it. And then her eyes roll back in her head, and she keels over. I'm I'm assuming at this point, like she had just like passed out or something, or 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 maybe uh, maybe she had just like had like a heat stroke or something. I I don't I don't know what I was thinking, but. Um, I, I was thinking she was just like kind of unconscious. Yeah, yeah. Outside, George is walking down the street, just very upset, like doesn't know what to do about this situation he is in. And he enters the improv where Jeannie and Jerry are celebrating. They say their wedding's going to be September 21st, the first day of autumn. Leaves changing, beautiful colors. As Jeannie throws in all that crap, uh, a great throwback to uh, you know George. <laughs> George trying to was that when, I think that was when he was trying to postpone the wedding. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that was um yeah, he was trying to convince Susan to move it to autumn <laughs> instead of instead of summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh and, and Jerry is very excited because he's getting married now, so he kept up the pact. And they give Jer uh, George champagne to toast that they're all toasting with. And then after that, George enters his apartment to see Susan on the couch, and he kind of does like a 
like a uh, you know well, she fell asleep on the couch uh, and then but as he's walking into the hallway he does a double take and turns around because he notices something is wrong uh back over at monks after the improv party jerry and genie sit down and genie won't stop riffing bits like jerry is kind of exhausted from the evening not only did he perform which will drain you creatively but also he had a big a big emotional day like he's getting married now he proposed to somebody and and he doesn't drink very often like jerry's just like not in the mood but she's like hey what's the deal with decaf what how do they get the decaf out and where does it go jerry's like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> not not only that, but immediately after that, there's a guy sitting at the counter who stands up, trips right in front of the table. Jeannie just looks down at him and goes, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. And then they she orders another bowl of cereal. And I think Jerry says it's her like third or fourth one that day. She had it for breakfast and yeah. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> And she takes that to like start, she takes that cue to riff a bit on brunch. Like, hey, what's the deal with brunch? How come there's no lupper or liner? <laughs> and Jerry's Jesus not Christ. feeling it. You know, I've actually yeah. wondered, like, why is there no lupper or liner? Uh, yeah. Like, if, if I'm hungry around like two or three or, or sometimes four, if I'm going to have like a, a late dinner, uh, I'll be like, yeah, yeah I'm just going to have like a, a little bit of a, a lupper. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and, and you know who really got it right is the British because they got tea. They set tea like in the middle of the day there. Oh, and yeah. isn't tea time between uh, lunch and dinner or am I making that up? Is it more like between breakfast and lunch? Now I don't even know. I think it, I think it might be between breakfast and lunch. I'm not I'm yeah. not certain. Uh, but when, you know who see. really when? did get the meal schedules right are hobbits. Yes. <laughs> oh, interesting. So high tea is 5 p.m. So that's like right before dinner if you're getting Maybe you're like getting is dinner at like six or seven? Possibly. I, I don't know. Although I, now I'm I, seeing. I kind of I grew up with an, uh, with an elderly time frame for dinner. Like I, I'm hungry for dinner at like 5 p.m. Yeah, we eat really late. Like we could eat. We could have high tea at 5 p.m. And, and then be hungry again for dinner at like 7 or 7.30 uh, some oh, nights, wow. but I, I found another page that says afternoon tea is around 4 p.m. and high tea is around 5 p.m. Now I don't think you have both because that'd be hilarious. <laughs> like, all right, afternoon tea's <laughs> done. Start boiling the kettle. <laughs> um, let me see. Like, yeah. So oh, what, did, what did you do yesterday? I pissed like a racehorse because I drank a gallon of tea. <laughs> yeah, and. It was never intended to replace dinner, but rather fill the long gap between lunch and dinner at a time when dinner was served as late as 8 p.m. Lifestyles have changed since those times, and afternoon tea is now a treat rather than a stopgap. But I would say you can still use that, like, 4 p.m. is pretty good. Like, 2 or 3 is probably good for a, a lupper, as you were saying. But I'll do something. I'll, like, I'll go even. If I'm around, like, a sheets or something at, at 2 or 3, I'll get, like, an app sampler. I'm like, yeah, I need this Ooh. lupper here. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, Grace and I kind of did that yesterday. We weren't super hungry for lunch, so we just drove to Sonic, and we each got a slushy. Uh, she got some onion rings. I got some mott sticks. That's it. Oh yes, the the midday snack is just there's nothing better. Yeah, it's great. And you feel like you can treat yourself and like break, you know, like I shouldn't eat a whole app sampler in the middle of the day, but you know what? <laughs> I, I, I want it. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. And I wouldn't do it every day. That's the other thing. It's like, a, you know, I don't have lupper every day. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. We were just talking. We were talking about having breakfast for dinner. We were, we're talking about Brinner. Are you a fan of Brinner? Oh, I love Brinner. 
Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Brenner is awesome. And so like we were talking about it and I forgot the word brunch. And so I was messing around with all of the combinations. I was like, oh, you know, Lupper and Linner. And I was like, and sometimes I like to have breakfast for lunch and I call it Lekfest. And then but I and I had like genuinely forgotten there was already <laughs> something called brunch. <laughs> but I think brunch is more like I mean, I know that lunchy items do and Sarah was like, I think that's brunch. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. No, I call it yeah, but I think I, um have you ever called have you ever heard of Lekfist? I'm starting it. It's uh, it's a new trend. But you know, I mean that could be more like lunch food around breakfast time rather than breakfast food right before lunchtime. So I think I still might have something here. I mean, hey, whenever I wake up in the morning, nothing's going to satisfy my hunger like a nice uh, ham sandwich or something. Exactly. Yes, you get breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to catch on, but yeah. Yeah, I don't That's either. A... <laughs> um, where the hell are we? Oh, yeah, so... Back up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer comes over, and Jerry is back laying down on his couch, just as he was earlier when he was so happy, but now he has a very worried look on his face, and he tells Kramer that he he can't be with someone like me. I hate myself. (laughs) Uh, And then I love Kramer's line where he goes, too bad you got engaged. (laughs) Just very smugly. (laughs) It's at that moment that George calls. Jerry's phone rings, and it's George, and they took Susan to the hospital. And so Jerry's like, all right, we'll pick up Elaine and meet you there. So at this hospital, which is the same exterior we've seen, it's that Cornell Medical Center, whatever thing, uh, Mm -hmm. the doctor brings George over and tells him that Susan is gone. And George is like, huh? (laughs) And he has to, the doctor picks very odd words because at first he says gone and that's fine. But then I feel like he goes backwards and says she expired. Yeah. What, who, what kind of doctor in like in describing someone who has passed away says uh, obviously gone is it, totally fine but when asked for clarification don't say oh she expired what is she a fucking gallon of milk yeah that's something you see in like a coroner's report about a john doe in the street that they find like well we're not yeah. sure when the body expired like it's like way too scientific and medical you know but also it- for for civilians like us, like yeah, we associate it with eggs and not bodies, like a doctor yeah, might. It, it's very it's very dehumanizing in that effect because yes. because that's what they're yeah. trying to do with like with uh, John and Jane Doe's is because they, they literally don't know who this person is, so we're trying to take the human element out of it. Right, right, and yeah, and so the doctor went backwards in bedside manner, like with that. But George is, I, I like George still is like just so in non belief. He's like. Are you sure? Like he asked a doctor if, if if he's sure a person is dead, and they he was like, "Yes, we um we found a toxin associated with very inexpensive glue. Had she been using any?" And he was like, "Well, we were sending out our wedding invitations, and the doctor's like, that's what did it.'" And Don George is like, "We were expecting around two hundred people." <laughs> Which means she had like 200 doses of this toxin, whatever it is. Yeah. So like (laughs) at this point, like you're putting, I mean, two and two has been put together for you having seen this for the first time. Yeah. At this point of watching it, my mouth is just agape. I'm like, they killed her? Like, I I knew (laughs) that she wasn't a part of the show, like going forward uh, at at some point, but I didn't know they killed her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wish I mean it's not as bad as like a Game of Thrones like watching somebody watch the Red Wedding but I wish I could have watched this with you because 
it's such a you know it's such a, a you know it's not it's not a spoiler in the terms but it is i mean like if you found out susan died at the end of this you would not have been shocked and like i would have loved to have seen your reaction when you're like she's really dead they killed somebody on seinfeld <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that that one of the characters is keeled over. Um, one of the one of the first <laughs> yeah, times one yeah. of the main characters has. I don't know. Would you would you call Susan a main character at this point? I I feel like I kind of would. Yeah, I mean, it's enough. She was enough of the season. Anytime George was there, she was pretty much you know at least in the mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's as much of a main character as Newman. That yeah, I can see that. So if he's a main character, then she was too this season. And what's great about it too is like the audience was really responsive during this scene. Like they they're they're laughing at all the parts that they're supposed to. Like, are you sure and stuff like that. And, but it's after this scene, like everybody everyone's as incredulous as George and like the the studio audience doesn't know how to react. That's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. George goes back and Just... he he tells the gang like she um she's dead, and you can tell he's like holding back like a smile like. It's almost a smile almost like peeks through a couple times as well, Um, like relief, like he's trying to tamp down all these emotions that he's feeling because none of them are sadness. So that's what he's trying to portray in the hospital right now. And even Elaine is like, I'm sorry, George. Like, it's a question. I'm sorry. Do you want me to be sorry? I I don't know how to react. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it it was really well written. And I like that they they didn't spell anything out for the audience. The audience is like completely silent for the last few minutes of this scene the only thing that breaks them is when kramer goes poor lily (laughs) that's when everybody starts laughing again um and now jerry is the only one getting married and george goes i don't know what to tell you and everyone starts walking off and jerry trailing behind yells at him we had a pact so now jerry is the one yelling about the pact that george has been yelling about for this entire season bringing it all full circle and we do get, uh, that's where the end of the episode uh, is, but we do get one last final scene with George on the phone calling Marissa Tomei and trying to set up a date. And he lets it slip <laughs> that it is the day before the funeral. But, you know, my weekend is all free. I just have the funeral tomorrow for my fiance that died. And then we hear a dial tone with Marissa Tomei hanging up on on George. This was incredible and and so unexpected. Cause like I mean, this this happens. Uh, you you call the person like for for comfort or, or something after after a, a loss like this. But this happens months, sometimes years <laughs> down the road. Yeah, I think if he had waited a year, George might have been able to end up with Marissa Tomei, like maybe six or, months. But like, or even if he yeah. lied about it. Yeah, you mean like it, that? Tell her that it happened six months ago, or li- yes, what? What would yeah. be the lie? Uh, if he told her line. that, yeah, if he told her that, like, yeah, she passed away a couple of months ago, and I- I'm just, I just don't know what to do with myself. I, I- I'm, I-, I don't want to bug you, but I just wanted to give you a call, something like that. Yeah, 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 and maybe like you know. He, it would be tough for George to do, but don't even play it as a date. Just play it as like, I just need someone to talk to, you know, and, and my friends are yeah. too close to the situation I had here. We got along, you know, like I really think, I mean, again, we're like helping a psychopath lie to a woman to like sleep with her. But I mean, <laughs> I think this all could have worked. <laughs> you and I are coming up with better lies for George. Like <laughs> the one time he's honest. <laughs> uh, and that is the end of the episode. 
okay, so what do we got for homework for, I, I guess, this week and last week to go in, <laughs> to take us I, into season eight? I actually didn't write anything down. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, now, Nothing. I at this point, I would typically ask, what do you like for cover art uh, this week? Um, <laughs> for part one, I did George saying uh, well i can't stop now as he's like starting to smoke uh, is there anything else that you like or would you just like me to use that again there's probably something in part two that we could uh like maybe everybody at the i mean there's a good shot of everybody at the improv jerry and george and Jeannie, like raising their glasses um there's mm, that is uh, good. let's see okay. oh i mean does everybody everybody at the hospital give away too much um well i mean the screen cap for the cover art on Hulu is literally of the doctor telling George oh that Susan gosh. is dead. Um, I mean, you don't know the context yeah. of it, but you're wondering That's like, true. Oh, why are yeah. they at a hospital? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't mind that either. Like, you know, George talking to everybody at the hospital. I feel like there's a good, probably wide shot there of, of the big four. <laughs> yeah. It's not like there's like a, a banner in the background that says, congratulations on your dead fiance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And plus if someone's listening to this, they're not, they probably, know what happened anyway i would hope <laughs> could you imagine someone <laughs> listening to this and just getting disgusted over spoilers <laughs> yeah yeah i can't believe this these guys spoil every episode they talk about the whole thing <laughs> uh okay so i'll do that for for uh part two so um let's see if we can make the description a little bit better okay ah okay all right <laughs> so so we had george searches for a way to stop his impending nuptials semicolon Guests Janine Garofalo, Stephen Root, and George Steinbrenner. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> so we didn't see George Steinbrenner, right? Correct. We found out um, as we were recording uh, this part last week yeah. that the real Big Stein had been flown <laughs> out to L.A. to record a couple of lines and that uh, the the scene was totally, or the episode was totally changed without him. I'm wondering, like what, like what else would have happened? But George runs in, or no, Elaine runs into George's office uh, to complain about like not being a bridesmaid anymore or or an usher. And the big, the real big Stein, George Steinbrenner, runs in, and I could, I guess he doesn't really have the best comedic delivery. Um, <laughs> But it it's him, and they just cut it out entirely. Yeah, I think we were reading this article, and Larry Dave was like, it just didn't work. And I told him it didn't work, and he was like, all right, yeah, see you guys later. Okay. It was fun being out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it was like, no, no skin no, off no, it. You know, he didn't have anything to do that day. Absolutely, yeah. I, I And I just kind of <laughs> speculated. I'm like, I mean, I'm guessing they paid him. So whether or not they actually used the footage, it's of no, uh, it, it's of no <laughs> concern to him. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's he's a billionaire and he got on a plane and stood somewhere for a while and then got on a plane and went back to his very nice house and then <laughs> he wasn't on TV, but you know what? He can get on TV anytime he wants. So That's <laughs> yeah, true. I was like, yeah. Uh, he took it. He was like he was totally and he's not a comedian. Like he probably was like, yeah, I'm not an actor or a comedian. You know, it was like, like, I don't yeah, care if you think I'm bad at those things. That's <laughs> totally fine. It's like whenever like some when I meet uh, meet up with somebody that I was in a play with in college and they're like, oh my God, yeah, you were bad. I'm like, I know, I'm not an actor. <laughs> or or well, like, I don't think I they should tell you that. 
Well, most of the time, I'll start it off, like, very self-deprecating. Be like, yeah, uh, I was not good in that. And they'll be like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, th- th- thanks. Yeah. Th- thank you for agreeing with me. I see. Yeah. So it, it, I guess is the footage is out there, right? Did we hear that? I, I didn't go watch it. Maybe I should have. Yeah. Yeah. Footage is out there. It's on YouTube. Um, if you just look for George Steinbrenner on Seinfeld, uh, you can find this exact article as well. It's, it's literally an MLB.com article uh, from <laughs> earlier this year. I, I think it's like from, from late January 2021. Weird. It's just weird that he still gets credit. Yeah, I don't think we should still give him credit in in making this description <laughs> better. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I think that makes it like sometimes, you know, I, I'm I'm fine with deleting a guest star because I'm like, well, that that's not a big enough name. <laughs> but this is just confusing because I thought I missed him. I was like, what is he a waiter in the background of something or? A, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he's literally uh, yeah. not in the final episode, but his name is still there. <laughs> and maybe that was part of the deal. Maybe that was like, oh, we'll still like give you the credit or something. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he had to join SAG, and like it's a weird SAG rule that, like, well, guest stars, even if they're cut out, they have to be credited or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a union uh, rule. Okay, so so description being George searches for a way to stop his impending nuptials, semicolon guests Janine Garofalo and Stephen Root. Does that work? Perfect, yeah. Okay, so I know we didn't get time to do this last week, but since, I don't know, we. we had an unintentional two-parter. Do you want to get into our top episodes of season seven? I would. This is, Ted, the most prepared I have ever been for this segment. <laughs> it's not going to be me just flipping through, looking for the stars next to the... I actually I actually went through, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if they're necessarily ranked, but I'm, I'm super prepared. So I'll go first okay. or second or whatever. I, um, I would have to say same, uh, in that I only have like a, a small list, uh, but mine are ranked. I'll tell you what, why don't I go first and then you can kind of like uh, contrast off of mine and give a little bit more of an in-depth analysis. Got it. Okay, so uh, number five, I had uh, episode three, The Maestro. Ah, what did you like about that one? I I don't know. I I think I liked just the different elements about it. I I liked how it was uh, the storyline of Jerry just trying to get to this uh, villa in Tuscany and that is funny and and just that that storyline of there's no there's no available villa so so it's not even worth trying <laughs> just the the attempt of someone trying so hard to keep somebody out of something yeah it was it was peak pettiness i mean from the maestro but definitely from jerry too like he was being petty he could have just let it go but he was like no i want to i need to prove this guy wrong even though nobody gains anything from it and in fact jerry loses a lot of money because he ends up having to take this italian vacation he doesn't want to go on with kramer (laughs) uh okay number four i had uh episode six the soup nazi um kind of Uh, kind of self-explanatory there we we, we discovered this very early on in the show uh, that sometimes the episodes that are regarded as classics are so regarded for a reason. They're they're great. They mm-hmm. hold up, and and this is one of those. I think. Totally. But I, I I will say I put it at number four for a reason because I I definitely feel better about my top three. Um, number three being episode nine, the sponge. Hmm. Interesting. The top two, I, I think, I have a little bit more of uh, of reasoning, and I, and I think you would agree with me on this number two is episode 19 the calzone which i i said like up to that point was my favorite episode of season seven 
Yeah, I remember that. And I remember, uh, you know, I didn't know if I should have ranked it higher myself because of that. I'm like, all right, am I doing that because Ted liked it so much? And and that's like rubbing <laughs> off on me. I'm like, maybe I was too hard on it. But you might remember I, I started and I wrote low next to it. I was like, it'll be a yeah. low one if it makes it in. Um, and I'll let you know where it made it when I go over my list. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like then it, it, I went the other way. I was like, no, I think I just want to rank it because Ted really liked it. And so I'm, I'm going to keep it where yeah. I have it now. But, okay. but anyway, that's, that's okay. the way I'll leave it for now. But yeah. Well, like I said, uh, the Calzone was my favorite episode up to that point. So coming in at number one and I am ready for any like hate that I'm going to get about this. My number one episode of season seven is this one, episode 22, The Invitations. Wow. I think that is a shocker. (laughs) I loved this episode. I loved everything about this episode. You know, watching it for the second time in a matter of a couple weeks, I laughed a lot harder the second time than I did the first time. I will say that. I I thought like the jokes hit perfectly. Uh, Janine Garofalo's cameo is incredible. The Steven Root scene is perfect. Uh, the, the twist yeah. at the end with Susan, I'm like, this is this is the perfect season seven episode. Yeah, and uh, we got to, um, I mean, give props to Janine Garofalo for playing a Jerry Seinfeld character just so well. I mean, she's oh she was the God, perfect person yeah. to like do an impersonation <laughs> of Jerry Seinfeld back at him. It, it was great. I can't think of anybody else that would have done well in that. So that that is kind of a shocker. The Invitations, the number one episode. Yeah, uh, but you know, I I feel strongly about it. So, but I I would uh, love to hear your top episodes. So first off, how many did you do? Did you do a top five? Were you able to narrow? I have down a top, top five. five. Okay. Do you yes, have any? I have honorable a top mentions? five. I do have honorable mentions. Okay. All right. Why don't we? Uh, do you want to do your honorable mentions first, or do you want to do? Uh, your first couple ranked ones. I'll start with honorable mentions. That's a good good idea. Uh, my honorable mentions were the aforementioned Calzone. I did not bump it up to the top five. And I, I really think I was like, no, I, I got to go with my first instinct on this. And I got to rank it low. And I don't have room for it in the top five. Okay. The Friars Club, I put, had a star next to. And I couldn't remember why. So that's why I was like, that's an honorable mention. Hmm. It's okay. not sticking out to me. But at the time, it did. And, you know, it's got the, the brothers and the jacket and... um. You know, I was like, I don't remember why I starred this. So maybe it's not even an honorable mention, but there's a star next to it. So I'll mention it. And then <laughs> the the wait out, which I think I just liked because I had forgotten about that episode and it snuck up on me and all the jokes seemed pretty new. Like it was not an episode that I really remembered. And so that's the way that's the reason I really liked that one. But I'll still put it on the honorable mentions list. So then now I have my top five and I don't okay. have them. They might be just kind of. In order? I don't know. But we don't have we only have one in common in my top five. Wow. And right. let me just let me just go in order. I don't know if I can rank them, but maybe at the end I'll go that was my favorite. Number uh, the first episode I wrote down was season seven, episode five, the hot tub. Oh, uh Kramer's hot tub? Kramer's hot tub because I love okay. George and all the people from Houston saying bastard and son of a bitch. Oh and I love man, yeah. I thought I thought Jean Paul was hilarious, and it, I thought his <laughs> when when for instance when Crank when he says these son of a bitch is ice cold, I thought that was hilarious. And when he calls the baby a bastard, I thought that was I, uh, so I love the Jean Paul character, and I love the whole storyline with Elaine not knowing how to set an alarm, Jerry being concerned about Jean Paul. It just it led to some very funny like Elaine shows up forty minute late forty minutes late to Jerry's apartment in that episode, and then also she 
sets the microwave wrong and everyone's like oh god you're not gonna screw this up <laughs> <laughs> uh the second episode that i have in my top five is right after that one episode six the soup nazi again just goes mm-hmm. without saying it's the soup nazi okay. it, yeah, uh, it lives up yeah. to the hype really don't the need one after much that was... explanation for the soup nazi yeah if you know you know uh, the one after that is the pool guy episode eight because again i loved the side character i loved ramon <laughs> i loved even more his pool guy co-workers who come up to Jerry and just like, you know, ask him about, are you going to see Ramon? And like that kind of, I loved that. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and it has world colliding George, which is a classic, you know, relationship George, independent George. It's got that whole thing with Elaine, oh, maybe trying man. to befriend yeah, Susan. Right. Yeah. But then Susan also saying like, you people are awful. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> Like, uh, just not wanting to hang out with George's friends. It, it's not working. So I love that one. I, I have The Rye after that, which is episode 11. And that <laughs> one is, we get great Frank Costanza, great Jerry Stiller in that episode. It's got the thing about the the chicken and the hen and the rooster and who's having sex with the, the rooster goes with the hen, who's having sex with the chicken or whatever. And it, for that matter, it gives great Estelle because it's when she's like, oh, what kind of wine is this? And she tells her it's Merlot and she goes, is that new? <laughs> that type of wine new? <laughs> and George has to like cover for his like, you know, hillbilly parents against these like Manhattan literary elites, you know, uh, yeah, it's yeah. just funny. So we get a hilarious George scheme about sneaking a piece of a, a loaf of bread back into the thing. And the rye also includes hot and heavy and the oral sex jokes that I hadn't ever stopped to pay attention to <laughs> since I became an adult and got it. And so I got it for literally the first time ever. Um, and and that, so that played very well for me. And uh, I, so I, I, I thought that was funny. And that's all in that episode. Now I'm just remembering like your real time realization of that as we were talking about it on the show. <laughs> no, no, it was it was as I was watching the episode. But I, oh, I, I was telling okay, you like as okay. I was watching. Yeah, I was telling you as I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like as a kid, I just like, it, well, like I don't know what they're talking about. I'll ignore it. Um, and then th- when I finally watched it with a fine-tooth comb, I was like, all these years, I had no idea why he couldn't play the saxophone at the end of that episode. <laughs> and so it's, uh, you know, I-, I found that very funny. And then the last one is The Wig Master. And this one, if I were ranking them, I would put it at number five. I mean, for for all intents and purposes, these might be in order. I- when I was looking at them, I was like, they're in episode order, but they might be in, you know, the hot tub being my favorite and then The Wig Master being number five but i like jerry getting jerry really gets his comeuppance in this episode and we never see that happen to him like he has to buy this expensive jacket because of his Mm. pettiness and the salesman he's emasculated by these other people flirting with people he's with right in front of him uh it has pimp kramer uh in the episode and it's the uh the parking episode all all the parking stuff too the parking lot episode that is Um, a really good one yeah yeah, it was it was it was a pretty strong one that that also I like wouldn't have been on my you know I I didn't really remember it being that great so that's why it also sneaks us into the top five so those might actually be kind of in order um, maybe I'd flip the rye and the pool guy but I really liked the hot tub and and the soup Nazi at number two I'm comfortable with as well so um, yeah that that's where I landed oh boy I I like how we had to- like I mean aside from the soup Nazi totally different uh, top fives I, I think that's uh, yeah I think that's kind of interesting. It is. It is. It just goes to show you what kind of a weird season seven, what a weird season season seven was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay. So 
Next week, we start season eight. If you are looking at TV Guide the night of September 19th, 1996, whenever season eight premiered, you are going to see George is ready to move on, but Susan's parents want to keep her memory alive, which I am very glad was not spoiled for me. Just looking at the beginning of season eight, you know? Yeah, really? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about that. Yeah, if you were behind uh, or if you were looking ahead, would it yeah, have gotten, it, it, gotten if I'm spoiled? Just, if I'm just looking to see like, oh, yeah, how does season eight start? Oh, shit, Susan's dead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is a great, with the title, it is a great tease for this episode. I mean, you can kind of maybe discern what's going to happen. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty good. But we'll see if it holds up next week. Uh, so is that it? I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.